We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back, Packers fans, to the Pack-A-Day podcast, Saturday Crew. Coming at you here, Jason Perrone, Paul Brettel, and Mark Eckel. Mark, how are we doing on the East Coast? Doing fine. A little, little rain today, but some thunderstorms. You know we always give the weather read. read. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, Why and people tune in, right? <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I, I got to say, there, there's nothing like watching lightning over the ocean, though. Yeah, that sounds I've, cool. It's the it's really. I mean, I've never been a thunderstorm fan until I moved here, and I could look out and see like light lightning over the ocean. It's kind of it's it's a cool thing. It really is. It's like it's like your own private light show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. Uh, we have had in the Phoenix area no rain for the last couple months. It's been a really long time. We got a little bit in parts of the valley yesterday, but. Not where I'm at right now, so it's just hot and dry. It's a little bit more humid right now, but we got a huge break in in the temperature, guys. We're uh, under hundred. We're we're under hundred exactly. Ooh, so wow, yeah, it was. Nice. Uh, you know, I had long pants on today when I went out for my run. So really, uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't worn long pants in like a year. <laughs> no, no, Two years, I, I never did. And I was I was always that kid that didn't like wearing jackets when I lived in Wisconsin. So I would just. When I was going out to play football in the snow, I would just layer up. I would wear like five sweatshirts instead of wearing a, a jacket. I was that kid. 
speaking of Wisconsin, Paul, how are we looking up in Wisconsin? Are you still enjoying those hotter temperatures? No, it's broken a little bit, and it's actually been beautiful. Been in the 80s and not as humid, so just been soaking it up and enjoying it as much as possible. There we go. All right. Weather report. Weather report, weather report completed. <laughs> and, and, and in reporting, before we get into our topic of today, which is another fun one that we're going to talk about, uh, there's the continuing updates and news about the NFL and training camps. And, you know, it's a fluid situation. So there's still a lot to be decided about it all. But it sounds like, at least as it stands right now, training camp is going to start at the beginning of next week. And then there's still some negotiations going on about Salary cap in 2021, which is the year following. We still got to get through 2020 and whether players are going to get paid if they don't play any games this season and all those other types of things. So, Mark, I'll, I guess I'll start with you as somebody who has covered the league for a long time, but I know we're in unprecedented time. So it's not like you have something to draw back on to say, hey, I can see it going in this or that direction. But how optimistic are you that we'll see players in training camp next week? Not as much as I was a couple of weeks ago. Um I'm getting worried. I really am. I mean, that there's it. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like the gloom and doom guy because I'm really not. I'm. I'm. I like to be optimist, but I, I mean, I thought rookies were going to be in last week, right? Weren't they supposed to be in the 21st? Right. That didn't happen. You know, preseason's been went from you know normal to two games to no games. Um, you know, people are. You know, teams are. So some teams are putting out things saying we're not going to have any fans all all year. It's like there's like nothing positive coming out, so it's hard to be positive when, other than them agreeing on certain issues like you know um, the salary cap not going down as much as people thought it could, um, there just hasn't been there hasn't been a lot of hope. Like there hasn't been anything for for me to say. Oh, well, at least that's good. They've they've done this. This is going to be good. I mean. It's just one negative thing after another. So I, I'm a little, I'm, I'm not optimistic right now that anything's going to happen. Yeah, and it's gonna, it's gonna change from one day to the next. I, mean, I was just yep. looking at the schedule of when players do report finally, and how long it's going to take before they actually get into practicing. And it looks like it's, it's a little bit over two weeks. So on day 16 of training camp is when practice would start. So then Paul as somebody who's been to many, many training camps. That's a little, that's just a little bit odd because there's a cut down that takes place before that starts. And we obviously are very anxious to see a lot of these players on the field, but we're going to have to wait at least 15 days before that happens. Yeah, it's, it's unusual. I don't know how, how else to really say it. And what something that I wrote about earlier this week at Dairyland was the continuity that the Packers have, I think it's going to be huge this year. It, that always matters in football, but this year is obviously different, and it's going to play a huge factor. You know, there wasn't a lot of you know big moves made this offseason because of salary cap restrictions that they had um, in the draft. You know, Jordan Love, AJ Dillon, Josiah DeGuara, the latter two are going to have roles, but they're not major roles. You know, I mean, we still have Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. They're going to get their snaps um, at tight end. Jay Sternberger, Robert Tanya, Mercedes Lewis. They're going to get their snaps, but they're not going to be the guys coming in. And so on defense, Christian Kirksey is really the only major change coming in. But he's even he has two years of experience playing under Mike Pettin. So this this continuity that they have, 
And fortunately, this isn't Lafleur's first year because that I'm, I don't know how rookie head coaches are going to do it this year. So I think all that is going to be a big factor and could play into the Packers' favor at least early on this season. Oh, for sure. As for as much complaining as some of the pa- fan base did after the draft because they didn't address certain positions like they had hoped and anticipated based on all the mock drafts that we saw. One of the biggest additions to this team is another year of experience. It's not a player. It's not a person with a new Jersey number on the field, but that additional year of experience for how, you know, insert number of players is going to be big. It's going to be really, really important. And I think, and one thing I, I want to talk about before we get too far in as well is Paul and I have some really cool news for some of our pack a day listeners that may not already know. We launched a new entity this past week, this past Monday called game on Wisconsin. It's a brand new place where you can go to get Packers content and Paul and myself and Jacob Westendorf and Jeremy Vanderlinden and help lead the charge in getting this thing put together. But we've got a great team of writers and podcasters. And Paul, you wrote about your roster projection and not a, not a ton of surprises. There were a couple surprises, one of one of which I won't, I'm not going to spoiler alert here. If you want to talk about it later, you can. But it's that time of year where you're just, we're curious to see what kind of changes might be taking place on the roster and those types of things. But I think having a lot of that continuity and, and the rookies being a year older and the presence of Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith on that defense and just how quickly they gelled. I mean, we saw it in the first few games last season. They were a tight unit. They were close. I I know that they don't get to spend as much time around each other, but I think that culture is infectious. And I think it's really going to benefit the entire team. Because if you think back to 2010, when the Packers went to the Super Bowl and won, Aaron Rodgers was the ball-and-out quarterback, but he didn't have to be the ace leader of that team. And I'm not sure that he wants to be that. I know he likes is fine with the leadership role, but when there's other guys that can kind of take over, like, you know, being on the soapbox, so to speak, and he can be kind of a, a supple complementary leadership figure, you know, that, that just seems to bode well. I don't, I don't know what your guys' take. I mean, Mark, what's your, what's your take on that? Did you get the same sense of that? And maybe that might have also been Rodgers being earlier in his career too. But I just feel like, you know, him not having to be the man, I think, and, and, and needing to bounce back after a couple of years of, of not looking like himself, I guess I'll say, could benefit. Oh, absolutely. And, 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 this, and I'm not totally big, big on this in terms of, uh, you know, um, you know, I still want good players. I mean, I, you know, culture and character and I, you know, uh, it's important, but you, but you want good players. But I, but, but all that said, this Packer team seems to have a, there, it's a good locker room. Um, You added to Smiths who are great guys and and great leaders and, and they're, and they're very helpful to the younger guys. And you you could just tell Amos is another guy, you know, he's a leader. Um, Offense. You got a guy like Murphy, Mercedes Lewis, who at this point is not a great player anymore. He's kind of just hanging on. He's a he's a blocking tight tight end basically, you know. But he's a good leader. He's a good. He's going to help Jay Sternberger a lot. He, you know, he's he's an Anton and and every you know he's just you want guys like that. And it seems like the Packers the last couple of years have gone into that mode. Like they want that's the they got the, the guys they've added either through free agency. Um, Draft, you know, hopefully down the road, you hope because the guy's not going to come in as a draft pick and be a leader. But um, it's a good group of of players and leaders now. Like it's 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 good. I like what I like a lot of the moves the Packers have have made the last couple of years. I really do. They, there's no 
bad guys on like you know guys that are going to get in trouble. I don't I don't see many of those. I mean, you never know things happen, but they went through a, they went through a little span there where they had some questionable characters on the team. Now they now they just have character guys. And that's been the thing for a long time with the Packers is for the most part, you know, like there's a few exceptions here, like you said, Mark. Right. But generally speaking, and, and the term, I mean, several years ago, the term Packer people got thrown around a lot. And, it, it, you know, some people kind of rolled their eyes at the term and said, well, you know, you don't really know how these guys are in their everyday life. And then there's the debate about, well, what do they do on the football field versus what do they do off the football field? But, Paul, what's your take on that on that whole thing? I mean, I think you just kind of addressed it in terms of the continuity of the players on the field. But what about in the locker room, too? I mean, you, Tremont Williams is gone, but... Rogers not having to be that leadership guy in the locker room. Did you does did that kind of resonate with you? Do you did you see that or do you do you still feel like look this is you know he's he's still he's still the guy and everything kind of starts with him? Um, I 100% think that Rogers is a leader. Contrary to what you know we hear the national pundits say, he's not a he's not a vocal leader. You know that's what the Smiths are, and I think both um, you know both ways work. But that he's just being true to himself, and you don't want to be, you know, a fake or a phony leader or try to be a rah-rah guy when you're not. So I think he's a, you know, lead by example. And then the Smiths, they, um, you know, they're vocal. But for any new guys, the rookies coming in or the younger guys even on the roster, I mean, having that established, that that environment that's been created over the last year or so, I think that's huge. And it's just, you know, it sets an example, sets a standard for all the younger guys and the newer guys of, you know, how to go about your business, how to do your work. And that leads to success. Yeah, it does. And it's, they're still a young team. They've got veterans and, oh, yeah. and I mean, even the veterans are still young too. This is Darius Smith's young, Preston Smith. I mean, these, these are not aging veterans. It's not like, you know, we're throwing it back to, even the 96 team that had some players that were in their thirties that were still playing really, really well. And, and, you know, they just caught lightning in a bottle and just got a lot out of guys that were on the latter part of their career. I mean, it's still, it's still a really, a really young team with players that are developing and and coming up. And we've talked about it. You know, we mentioned who's got to make a big jump. Who's got to take a huge step forward to make this team better. Who's got to take a huge step forward to save their job. We talked about Josh Jackson or Warren Burks, guys like that. You know, with the with the youngsters, they need that leadership and they need those those presences around them to kind of help them develop. You know, it's it's never a bad thing to have players that are. Oh, I guess Mercedes Lewis isn't in the prime of his career, but you know, players that are in their prime that carry a, a good voice and they set a good example. You know, and that's a good segue, I guess, into our topic for today, which is answering the question of. Which former Packers player would you bring back in his prime if you could? This was a really, really good one. So, Paul, we'll start with you. Which former Packer are you bringing back in his prime if you had an opportunity to inject them onto this team right now? So my thinking was, obviously, look at where the holes on the team are. And so I narrowed it down to my top two, which was the tackle position, specifically right tackle, or the defensive line. Um, getting Penny Clark some help inside. And obviously to be different amongst us three, I went with the defensive side of the ball. And so when thinking defensive line, I had to bring back Reggie White. So we obviously know, you know, how great he is, what he's accomplished, but he had three seasons of 18 plus sacks. He had 12 years with at least 11. That's incredible. 
And we obviously know the Packers have a good pass rush already with the Smiths as well as Kenny Clark. But along the defensive line, there's concerns about the overall depth. So Dean Lowry is the number two last year and likely will be again this year uh, behind Kenny Clark. But he disappeared at times. And then Kingsley Kiki, we hope he takes a step forward. I think he will. But once again, that's still an unknown at this point. Montrevious Adams hasn't panned out. Trayvon Hester, who they signed this offseason, he's on his fourth team in four years. Once again, he's another guy that I think can provide a boost in the run game. But once again, an unknown. And Tyler Lancaster has been nice in small doses. But the Packers need more than small doses at this point. So bringing back Reggie White and having Zadarius Smith, Reggie White, Kenny Clark, and Preston Smith along the defensive front, getting after the quarterback, as well as Reggie's going to help in the run game as well, even though I know he's known more as getting after the quarterback type oh, of player. No, he was good against the run, too. Yep, he absolutely was. Um, you know, I wrote down he had four years of 100-plus tackles, and from 1994 through 98, when they started keeping the tackles for loss, half of his tackles were in the backfield. That's ridiculous. So that's my choice, and it was a relatively easy one. Yeah, of course, the Minister of Defense. So if we throw you another one and we say, okay, go to the offensive side of the ball, do you have anybody in mind, or had you not thought that far? Yep, so went to the receiver position, and we know that there's a lot of great receivers in Packers history, Sterling Sharp, James Lofton, Don Hudson. But I decided to go with Jordy Nelson, because of the specifically because of the relationship the you know that him and Rodgers have Devonte Adams is fantastic but there's always something different between the Rodgers and Jordy connection and I think having that you know Jordy available as a player on offense as an outlet for Rodgers I think it would give him a boost I really do just knowing that that's you know kind of like a safety blanket that he has once you know play breaks down on one side of the field he knows he can go to the right and Jordy's going to be you know coming back or whatever he needs to do so uh, that relationship and connection that those two have was pretty much the main reason I selected that yeah those both those both of those guys stuck out to me I have no you get no no argument from me there too and for those reasons as well the connection with Jordy and Rodgers in its peak I mean everyone remembers 2011 it just seemed like if there wasn't a shot play every game it was a failure on their way to 15 and one and then all Reggie White did was just destroy guys every every week on Sunday, even though he might not have uh, had to work as hard the other days of the week. Was that right, Mark? Did, what did you think of uh, Paul's selections? Well, Reggie's – I, I mean, how can you argue with Reggie White? I mean, um, I thought of that. I was going, you know, that that's, that's nothing wrong. I mean, yeah, you put him on that line with, with, with Kenny Clark, and a lot of times the Packers only use the two down linemen. Having Reggie and Kenny Clark would be almost like having four down linemen. I mean, that, that, that's how good both of them are. Um, I mean, you, you talked about his sacks, Paul. I, I covered Reggie's whole career in, in Philly. Um, it was a story. And I, I tell people this all the time. This is how great Reggie was. When he didn't get a sack, it was a story. <laughs> we had to write. I actually wrote stories, like sidebars after the game on Reggie not having a sack. And he'd, we'd ask him about it, and then we, we, we'd go over and, and get a quote from the tackle that, that he went against and whatever. And it, it was, I mean, it was actually a story. It was a, a news story that Reggie didn't get a sack. It didn't matter if he was one lost or, t- or tied. It was Reggie didn't get a sack. That was a sack. He had, in his career with the Eagles, he had more sacks than, than games played, which is incredible. That's, to me, one of the most all-time crazy stats. He actually had more sacks than games played. He had 21 
in the in the twelve game uh, strike shortened season of '87, twenty one, twelve games. He would have easily broke Strahan. Well, at that time it was Gaston's record. He would have crushed that record if there wasn't a strike. Um, so I mean, yeah, he's <laughs> he's the greatest player I ever covered by by far. I mean, um, I think he's the greatest defensive player. I mean, LT was pretty good. I mean, you could argue that one for, for days and days and days, but they're they're one and one A, I think, of the greatest defensive players of all all time. So, yeah, you get you bring Reggie White back. These Packer team's pretty good. Well, and Mark, you got a chance for some some time in your days covering the Eagles to watch both of those guys. You know, on obviously both on defense, they didn't go against each other, but you got them both on the same field at the same time. That had to have been a lot of fun to watch. Reggie and who? Who are we talking about? Lawrence Taylor. Oh, they play. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Giants, I saw the Giants play. That's why I brought up LT because I did see him twice a year. Yeah, they were. I mean, and you could argue, and believe me, growing, you know, living where, where I did, halfway between uh, Philly and New York, it was a, it was a big argument. It was it was a crazy argument as to who was better. And again, they're they're different. Um, I give Reggie a little bit of the edge only because, like we said earlier, he was. Taylor was a great pass rusher, and he changed the way the game was played. There was never an outside linebacker like Lawrence Taylor until Lawrence Taylor. Um, Reggie was a great pass rusher, as we said, more sacks in games played. That's incredible. But he was also, if Reggie didn't get any sacks, he would still be a good player because of how good he was against a run. I mean, that, that's what people don't realize. I mean, everybody looks at the sack numbers, but, I mean, he was – a great run defender. I mean, just great, not good, great. And he was on that, that Eagle defensive line was pretty, I mean, him, Jerome Brown, Clyde Simmons, and then the combination of Mike Pitts and Mike Golick. That was one, that was, that was a brutal, I mean, the Eagles went a stretch. I forget how, how many games it is off the top of end up. It was more than that. Cause like maybe three years and three years plus without allowing any back to get a hundred yards. That's pretty, I mean, that's, that tells you something right, right there. Yeah, and back so, then there was, you know, back then the run game was huge. It was, oh, the people know. ran all, yes. People, it wasn't like it is now where they threw a ball 100 times a game. No, they they ran, they ran, but they just didn't get any yards against the Eagles. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, um, he was just, he's, like I said, he's the greatest player I've ever covered. Um, now, Jordy Nelson, I know what you're saying with the connection with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I, I, there's other receivers I would, I would, if, if you really wanted a wide receiver, I would take Lofton or Sterling Sharp over Jordy Nelson. I, I think I think Lofton would. I think Aaron would find a way to get the ball to James Lofton. Yeah, and remember, we're saying in their prime, right. so that's that's another thing you have to take into consideration. And between the three of us, I mean, we span I mean, different. Is, Lofton isn't a Hall of Fame, right? I don't think Jordy's going. Right. Well, and between the three of us, we span three different eras of watching Packers football, really. So. It's you know that's what makes this kind of fun is you get the ode to to all the different the different I just time periods. James Lofton, I'm old, so I'm growing up. I really like James Lofton a lot, and it, it was a shame that his teams weren't that didn't have Reggie White on on that team to help help that defense because that the offense was 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 plenty good enough. They just couldn't stop anybody else from, from scoring. Back right. Then. Well, I remember Lofton. He was one of the when I first started following the team in the '80s. He was a name that I heard. A lot as I was ingraining myself into becoming a cheesehead. So, but I mean, if, if if you ask me, you know, when we first posed this question, I my mind went 
pass the stipulation of a former Packers player because it said, you know, <laughs> if you could bring back any player in their prime, who would it be? Well, my answer, if there's no stipulation there, would be, I love it. be Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> it would be Aaron Rodgers because, you know, if you if you can give me eight or nine years of that again right now, sign me up. I mean, it, obviously he was fantastic in, in those. And I think we're all kind of hopeful that he's got another couple seasons of that in him. I, I link it back to the down years of 2005 and 06 with Favre. And then he came back in 07 and just, you know, tore it up, set the touchdown pass record. The Packers go to the NFC championship game. They very easily could have been, you know, playing in the Super Bowl that year. And there's nothing, there's nothing that Aaron Rodgers isn't doing to try to get himself prepared to play at the highest level possible. So I have no, no questions about that. So that's, that's what it would be for me. And even, even with Jordan Love on the roster, like if you've, if you've got prime Aaron Rodgers, you don't, you don't turn that down. And that, that was kind of the air of my choice because you guys made good, you know, well, Paul, you made a good argument for why your players and, and linked it to this year's team. And I, I'm picking a player at a position that the team is not really that needy at they might be in the future but my choice was Charles Woodson I said if you know any former Packer in his prime I said Charles Woodson now the Packers don't have a cornerback problem right now but to me if you have a chance to add that player I don't care whether you've got two all pros already a cornerback you find a way to get Charles Woodson on the field and it was I actually had a debate between Woodson and Leroy Butler so Leroy Butler was a close second for me. And again, I'm kind of biased because I grew. that's when I grew up watching football. I think I talked about it on a recent show about Butler. The reason why I loved him so much was, A, I, I played safety for the one year that I played football in high school. But he was a holdover from the bad, kind of the transition from the bad Packers teams to the good ones. And he became a great player through that transition and revolutionized the safety position in a lot of ways. You know, he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. I'm convinced it's going to happen soon. It didn't happen this past time. But Charles Woodson just, you know, I mean, all the things you could say about him. Just the great career that he had. All the things he did in Green Bay. Just a steady presence. When I would go watch games, I, you know, there were certain things that just made me confident the Packers were going to win games. They were going to play well. And it didn't matter if they seemed outmatched by their opponent or not. Having 21 on the field was, was just... A security blanket it just made you feel good, and and he ended up being probably the biggest free agent acquisition for Ted Thompson, who was not known for adding free agents. So that's that's always going to be a big a big thing in uh, in Ted's lore with the Packers. But um, if we do if we throw one throw one in there on offense, uh, I I actually did kind of tie this choice into this year's team, and that was Amon Green, the running back, because if 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 they're going to focus on the run game, is it not necessarily you know run the ball 75%, throw it 25%. But if they're going to play some more emphasis on the run game, all the things that Amon Green did would be so valuable in this offense right now. Catching the ball to the backfield, he was a decent blocker. You know, that was one thing he doesn't get talked about a lot because he was just such a pretty, you know, beautiful open field runner. Tough, could pick up the tough yards. He he was shifty. He just, his he had so many tools in the toolbox that, you know, you essentially have almost two backs in one with him, and then you can focus on other areas of the roster instead of having to maybe plug a, you know, I guess I'll say a gadget-type player that does something that he doesn't do because he's just, he seemed to do it all. And he is the subject, Mark, of I think yours, one of the most frustrating moments in both yours and my <laughs> fandom of the Green Bay Packers, which was not giving him the ball 
on fourth and one in Philadelphia in 2003. So, Paul, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on, I mean, I know nobody's going to argue with, with adding Charles Woodson or Amon Green to this roster, but did either of those two surprise you? Uh, the Woodson one, no. Anytime you can add a player of that caliber to your team, regardless of the position, you you do it. And in regards to the cornerback, I think it's a, you know, I like the fit on this year's team because we know that Jair has all pro potential. Kevin King's coming off an excellent year, but through his first two seasons, he only played in 15 games, so there's the injury question mark. Chandon Sullivan was excellent last year, but it was a small quantity, small sample size that we're looking at. And then after that, there's, you know, Josh Jackson, 10 games. He started his rookie year, barely saw the field last year, and then a lot of lack of experience. So from a fit on this year's team, I really like it because I still think there's a lot of question mark. There's at that cornerback position. Don't get me wrong. It's young and loaded with talent, but there's question marks. And so adding Charles Woodson in there along um, across from Jair, beautiful. Chef kiss. Love it. And then Amon Green. Once again, not going to argue on the player. The position, I probably would have went elsewhere just because of they have Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams is proven, and then the addition of A.J. Dillon. I feel like they are good at that position, but obviously I'm not going to sit here and argue against you know what he did on the field. But as far as the position, that was the one thing that I would look at. Yeah, and the other thing, too, it's a passing league. So Woodson, secondary, and corners, and the whole adage about you can't ever have too many good corners on the roster there. You know, the other thing I thought about with Green, too, is if you're getting him in his prime, one of the assumptions I made is like, okay, well, he's probably going to give you three or four years. Will Aaron Jones be back next year? So then, no, it, was, then, mm-hmm. then it could be one of those type of contingency type things. But I, I have no complaints about Jones. And if they bring him back and he ends up playing for another three or four years, then it's very, very likely that when we're doing this 10 years from now that he isn't one of my choices to bring back because he was so good during his time. Mark, what did you think of my, my two guys? Well, first, I thought your Aaron Rodgers thing was 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 beautiful. I I didn't I never thought of that. I mean that that's that's I love that. Bring yeah, bring Aaron Rodgers back. He's not a former Packer yet, but um, yeah, not, I I love that Woodson. Yeah, like just like Paul said, and you said yeah. How can you? I'm not going to tell you no. Don't bring Charles Woodson back. He's he's going to be in a hall. He's a hall of famer. He's a, and it was that. I mean, it's funny, Paul. You picked Reggie White, who was Ron Wolf's greatest acquisition and then you chose charles woodson who was ted thompson's greatest ac- acquisition so yeah let's 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 bring those guys back i got no problem i'm on green you you know how i feel about running back so i'm not even gonna say anything about that <laughs> <laughs> there are a dime a dozen <laughs> but uh no i would not i i wouldn't bring a running back back but i would but that can i lead into my to, to, to my pick now absolutely well, if you've the people who, who who listen to us every week know the position I I fear and I lose sleep over every night <laughs> on this team, and that's right tackle. Sure, because they don't have one, and they let a, a good one go. And I thought about bringing him back. I because I, I was thinking right, I'm like, hey, why not bring back the guy that they let go, Brian Balaga, right? And I thought, no, he, his prime was he was good. And I thought, wait a minute, Packers had the great maybe the greatest right tackle in the history of football. I'm going way back now because, like I said, I'm old, and this is even a little older to me, but I'm bringing back Forrest Gregg, who was probably the greatest right tackle in the history. The guy that Vince Lombardi called the greatest player he's he's ever coached. Ever coached, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not bringing him back to coach the team now. I don't want Forrest Gregg to coach. I want Forrest Gregg to play. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, yeah, I'm going to bring back Forrest Gregg, and now my, that offensive line, you know, I don't need Amon Green to r- run behind it because I'll run behind that that line. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm old. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that Forrest Gregg was my um, was, was my pick. I figured I'm going to go way back. And I knew you guys would be a little more recent, which you were. <laughs> um I'm going to go back to the Lombardi years, and we're going to we're going to seal it here and seal it there, and you know, run the sweep, run it in the alley. Well, the, <laughs> so the interesting thing is, I mentioned kind of when I started following the Packers and becoming a fan, and Forrest Gregg was the head coach. I had yeah. no idea about the history about Lombardis. You know, I was like, you know, not even ten years old. I didn't know anything about the Lombardi era Packers. I didn't know anything about that. The team had been bad for a long, long time. So all I knew was Forrest Gregg was just this older looking guy on the sideline who, <laughs> who coached football, and he's not very good at it. And then, yeah, and then, yeah, when, as you learn, the and then as you learn more and more, and you just realize that. Um, now, I'll ask you kind of a wild card question here, Mark. When they were struggling through the '70s, do you think that the thinking behind bringing Bart Starr in to coach the team, bringing in Forrest Gregg, was just to try to recapture some of that magic? Do you think, oh, that, or was it was it just literally like those guys were ready and it was their time? No, it was. Well, Starr, I mean, he wasn't ready. He learned on the job. He really did. He was, the, he wasn't like a, a coordinator. He wasn't. He was Bart Starr. That's what mm-hmm. he was, you know. And I, I think he helped out a little bit on Dan Devine's staff. Um, I think he was like a, he may have been a quarterback. I don't even know. back then they didn't have like like the staffs like they have now, where you know there's 22 assistant coaches. He had a couple and they did some things. Um, you know, Starr. I thought. Be, I thought. They fired Starr just as he, I, I thought, became a good coach. That's what I've heard. You know, he learned on the job, and he kept going eight and eight every year. That was the problem. They just kept going eight. They couldn't get over that hump. It was always like one bad thing after another. And they like so many years where they, they had to win the last game to make the playoffs, and they found a way to lose that last game. And um, Bart's problem too was as a head coach was he had a lot of power, obviously, because he was Bart Starr, and he didn't draft well. He really didn't. Um, I don't know if he, if he listened to the wrong people or didn't just wasn't a good talent evaluator, maybe. But um, didn't he pass on Montana? Was it? Yeah, he did. Well, a lot of people passed on Montana. That's, but, yeah, that's but he true. Was yeah. told, one of his guys did want him to take Montana, and they took a quarterback. They took like was it Rich Campbell or somebody terrible? Um, yeah, they 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 did a lot of bad drafting back then. Um, but no. Um, so Star was yeah, Star was kind of rushed and you know he was he was Bart Star and they needed a head coach and why not right? Uh, far as Greg, I mean he took the Bengals to the Super Bowl, so he was kind of he was an established coach at that point. So when they fired Bart and they brought Forrest Greg in, that wasn't that was looked at as a wow we're bringing back a great Packer who's a pretty good coach because he took a team he, he took a team to the Super Bowl, you know right. Um, and I don't know if Greg was just a bad coach in Green Bay, or again, if he just didn't have good players. I mean, um, they didn't. I mean, they, they didn't have a quarterback. I mean, it's hard to win without a quarterback. And they went. It's amazing. Like you younger guys, from went from Favre to Rodgers. <laughs> I you know I had Star as a, as a little kid, but then I had a lot of bad quarterbacks until Favre got there. I had Scott <laughs> Hunter and Jerry Taggy and Jim Delgazo. And trading, and when that Dan Devine <laughs> trade, traded eighteen picks for John Hadle, you know, <laughs> there was some bad quarterback play. Then you had a you had a little bit of Lynn Dickey, who was, you know, battered at that point. You know, he he, he couldn't move from here to there, but he still had the, had the great arm, and he was tough as can be. So you had a little bit of him, and then you had a 
you know, that one year of, of, of Don Mikowski, who was, you know, had that, he was, they went 10 and six, just, just missed the playoffs. But there was a lot of bad quarterback play in between the end of Bart Starr and the beginning of Brett Favre. So that was why the team, that was a lot of reason why the team was so bad was they didn't have a quarterback. Um, so, but like I said, like when, when they hired Greg, and I remember that, I, I remember the hiring their Forrest Greg and thinking, oh, this is good. This is a good hire. I mean, the guy, he's a Packer and he's proven, a proven winner, you thought, you know, because he did win in Cincinnati. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, it's hard. Anybody that comes to the Lombardi era is always going to have a, a soft spot in the, in the history of the team and in the fans' hearts because of everything that we see. I mean, that ice bowl, I mean, that thing's, I think they're going to still be playing it a hundred years from now. And it's, it's just, I, I, at least I, I hope, I don't know. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, but did you, so who was your, well, I know we all kind of had a one and a one a, so who was your one a Mark? Uh, Reggie was kind of, he was one B if not one a, he was on my list. Um, but James Lofton, I mean, if, if we want to watch, if, you know, everybody wants another wide receiver on this team. I'm going to take a Hall of Famer who had great speed. I mean, I imagine him and Devontae Adams. Adams doing the, you know, what what he does, and then a, a speedster like like Lofton on the other side. I mean, wow, <laughs> that'd be hard. That, that'd be a hard hard offense to stop. I mean, like I said, Lofton put up great numbers on bad, you know, on you know, on teams that weren't winning. Um, Imagine him with a with a good offensive line and, and a great quarterback like like Rodgers and and a solid run game. I mean, he'd be unbelievable. He was good. He was a great receiver. He was the first really good player that I remember hearing a lot his name a lot when I I moved to Wisconsin as a youngster back in the early '80s. And you know, at that time, you're impressionable, and then you watch it, and you kind of watch the stars, and you focus on them, and then. Uh, he spent the latter part of his career with uh, with Buffalo, and they won a lot of a lot of games and went to a bunch of Super Bowls back then too. But yeah, he was a big part of it. You know, the interesting thing is is that uh, you both you guys both mentioned a wide receiver, and Sterling Sharp did not make the cut. And usually, when you ask on Twitter, <laughs> and Twitter is a different story, but usually when you ask that question, you know, what the, the poll? What's the one player? Sterling Sharp almost always gets mentioned or or brought up or you know thrown in the mix there, but. I don't. I can't argue with either of your guys's your guys's choices. I mean, the the tough thing about Sharp is that we just don't know what the whole thing would have looked like if he doesn't suffer that neck injury, you know. And then what part does he play on the '96 team? And is he part of this of getting a ring? I really wish he could have gotten a ring because he did so much. I mean, he was the only highlight. You know, I'm thinking about was it nine? Yeah, 1988. I mean, was there anything besides Sterling Sharp to be excited about on that team? You know, so that was can, that. That was another one. Can that I, I tell you something? That, can, can I tell you something that Andy Reid told me about? Yeah, that whole yeah. that whole thing with in all strong sharp and receivers. So back when the, the few times when Andy and I actually were cordial to each other and actually had a had a, had a nice conversation, it was it would always be about the Packers because you know he loved the Packers, he really did, and you know and why not? They gave him his start and all that. So we were talking one day about. Um, how that happened, you know, Sharp getting hurt and then everybody else, and then they got better. And he said that that wasn't a coincidence. And I said, what do you mean? And I remember him saying, and I'm, I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not quoting him exactly because it was a long time ago, but basically w- what he said was when we had Sharp, Rhett felt he had to get the ball to Sharp. 
and that's all he looked for. And he and other guys were open. He, there were big plays available, and he's forcing the ball to Sharp. You know, four plays out of five. He said without Sharp, it forced Brett to become a much better quarterback. It, it, it made him scan the field, and he and and then we and we and we went after people with Freeman and Brooks and the tight ends, and we became a better team. I'll never forget him saying that. I was like, wow. wow. And, and I've, I've, a, I've was, heard that before, and that too. Was Andy's philosophy for most of his coaching career until it, until the one year when they went out and got uh, Terrell Owens. The Eagles had kind of ignored what like they went with a bunch of wide receivers. That was and that. And that's where Andy got it from. He would rather have a bunch of guys than that one star because he didn't want McNabb to become reliant on one receiver. And um, yeah, I'll never forget Andy telling me that 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 stuck with me for till till now that, you know, and I, cause like, again, as a Packer fan, I was like, Oh my gosh, Johnny Trump got hurt. Oh my God. What are you going to do? And, and then he won a Super Bowl. And I was like, man, I'm not, wow. They won it without, you know, they did get better without Shark. Yeah. I, I've actually heard that before. I mean, fans opined about that and I don't think any of the players came right out and said it. I think it was mostly media, those that cover the team. And I don't think they, they were wrong. I think they had a point there. I mean, Think about Rodgers and Jordy. One of the one of the concerns some of the fan base had when it was when it was thrown around of well, might they bring Jordy back or, or not bring Jordy back? And it's like, well, no, because then Rodgers is going to look for him all the time. He's going to ignore all the other stuff that could be there. You know, there's there's a little bit of a give and take there that that happens. But at the same time, too, I think Favre set the standard pretty early on. I mean, who did he throw the the famous touchdown to beat the? Uh, the Bengals, too. It wasn't Sterling Kid, Sharp. Kid, it was Kittrick Kid Taylor. Taylor yeah, so he wasn't afraid to throw the ball. Like I think I've said in the past, you know, for me it was who's the green and you know who's the green jersey that's open, not where's the green jersey that says eighty four and Sharp on the back necessarily. So well, the other thing, and again, I'm I'm just going by what I've heard and or read from guys that covered a team or you know whatever. Sharp is a little bit of a me guy. I think I think he cared more about Sterling Sharp sometimes than he did the Green Bay Packers, and that's not. And a lot of wide receivers are like that, and that's why a lot of great wide receivers don't have Super Bowl rings. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, that's true. Randy Moss is another one. Yep. That's you know, one. Randy Moss Even, is another one, but you know, I mean, there's, it's, Terrell there's, Owens is another one. Terrell Owens is another one, although they they both appeared in Super Bowls. But again, you know they're one they're one out of how many guys on the field that contribute to right. No, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm not blaming them for them not winning. I'm just saying I read, me guys aren't 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 good for, for for football. Baseball, you could be a me guy. Football, you can't be a me guy. So should I just cancel my suggestion for next week and us talking about the potential of Antonio Brown coming to Green Bay? Then, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> a, we're not going to have the cap space next year anyway. It doesn't sound like so. Well, maybe uh, get Josh Gordon if you can't get Antonio Brown. Sure. Well, you know, there's a lot of Packers fans that likes Josh Gordon. I mean, if you if you're talking about pure talent, sure. But then the other stuff is obviously a factor. But. Um, so let's go around the horn. I, I mentioned GameOnWisconsin.com, which is our, our new site that Paul and I are a part of. And we've got on um, a little bit later today, we're recording this on Friday, so I'm assuming this will be up early on Saturday. So a little bit later on Saturday, today at 2 p.m. Central, we're going to be doing a mega show at the Game on Wisconsin YouTube page. It's free. Come on over. We're going to talk Packers, and we'll have some 
special guests. We've got Matt Schneidman of The Athletic lined up. Eric Edholm of Yahoo is going to join us. Uh, we've got a couple of other guests that are going to come on, some fun stuff. And we might even have a Packers player that's going to join us. I think there's a good chance that we may have that going on. So that's happening a little bit later on today. But as far as you guys go, you're always really busy. So, Paul, we got Dairyland Express and Game on Wisconsin. Now what's going on this next week? Uh, as far as training camp goes, just going to be paying attention to the news and continuing. I've been doing kind of player profiles and position previews to get ramped up and ready for, you know, football starting soon, hopefully. And then Brewer season just kicked off. Bucks are next week and playoff bound. And we are excited and ready to go. Sports are back. Oh, thank God. And I don't even care. About I, at first, it was weird to see the cutouts in the baseball stands of the of the fans yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But man, it was just so nice to see sports and wasn't some throwback game from before. Mark, I don't know mm-hmm. what your your take is, or if you're even a baseball guy. Oh no, I love I I I'm thrilled that baseball's back. I'm thrilled that all sports are back. I don't like the cardboard cutouts. I, I that kind of you didn't you didn't purchase one. I did. not <laughs> I did not. <laughs> no, I thought that was kind of just hokey and tacky. But Paul, I'm really glad you guys started that um, game on Wisconsin because I was wor- I was a little worried that you were weren't doing enough. You know, yeah, like no. 16. <laughs> you know, I, was a little, I didn't want you getting a little lazy there. So I'm glad, yeah, I appreciate I'm glad you guys that. Came no, up with who needs sleep for, 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 for you to do? Uh, <laughs> that's good. Um, I, I'm, I'm and I'm also glad you didn't tell me who your uh, roster predictions were because that's, I'm running that for Packer re, re, report. Oh, this I'll week. check that out. We'll have to compare. So I did, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even going to look at yours. I don't want to know. And then, and then we'll compare. You know what? That might be a good topic next week to see how how we compare. I like that. I like that. Um, and uh, and I'm also going to do a look at the linebackers one day this week as well. Good stuff as always. And then, who knows? I mean. Maybe there will be players in in camp now. The media coverage of it is the media coverage of it is going to be next to nothing, and we're not going to have any practices to talk about or you know talk about nice rainbow bombs from Jordan Love to you know Devontae or whoever's yeah whoever whoever would be yeah Reggie Begleton or any of those guys on the back half of the roster, but. Yeah, more more good stuff coming up this week. Great content. Hopefully camp starts. Good things happening at Packer Report, Dairyland Express, Game on Wisconsin. And as always, you can check us out on social media and follow us wherever we are. So everybody, stay safe, stay healthy. We will come at you next week with some more Packer stuff to talk about. And until then, go Pack Go!
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.